It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. Once a month or so, we like to check in with our good friends in Chicago at the AV Club to find out what's worth finding out about in the world of popular culture. Uh, This month, we are joined by head writer uh, Nathan Rabin and editor-in-chief Josh Modell. Gentlemen, uh, welcome back to The Sound of Young America. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. So let's talk about things worth talking about. Nathan, uh, one of your picks is Louis, which stars uh, multiple times Sound of Young America guest Louis C.K., and in, in fact is also written and directed, and I think also edited by Louis C.K. It's he a very, also does a lot of the catering. Yeah, it's a very dark, uh, episodic sitcom on the FX network in which Louis C.K. plays uh, a comic version of himself, a uh, sort of sad dad type figure. Um, in this clip, uh, Louis and his brother are at a diner shortly after Louis has signed his divorce papers. Yeah, I'm trying to see the positive in this thing. I'm, I'm single now. I can be with anybody I want. You know what's really sad? What? What's sad is you're too old to get anybody else. You just signed a paper that guarantees you're going to die alone in a room with a thin blanket over you, and the nurse comes in and just shuts the machine off. Dude! Don't picture that. So, Nathan, I think um, some people have been attracted to this show's really dark uh, sense of humor and see it as a kind of a a lovely character study. Some people have wondered why it's so dark and uh, why, as a character study, it doesn't really seem to have other recurring characters or, um, you know, an overarching narrative arc. Right. Well, I mean, you uh, refer to it as a sitcom, and I don't think that is uh, applicable because it is a comedy. But kind of the cast changes every week, the the tone changes every week. I mean, basically the deal for Louis C.K. was he was given complete freedom. You know, they basically just said, here, here's $250,000 an episode, like, send it to us when you're finished, and we will air it. And you really get the sense, watching it, that he's getting away with something. Uh, not, not to give too much away, but in the, in the second episode, it actually begins with uh, uh, like an eight-minute-long discussion of uh, anonymous uh, group gay sex. And it actually starts off like very raunchy and <laughs> kind of out there, but it becomes uh, fairly poignant at, at the same time. And it's less sort of a sitcom than it is sort of two short films uh, sort of fused together. Uh, with stand-up comedy uh, from Louis C.K., who is, of course, one of the most brilliant uh, stand-up comedians around. And I guess kind of the simple bite-sized nugget version is it's kind of Seinfeld-y, except that it really isn't. Like, other than that, there are, like, no similarities whatsoever. And it really feels like he's kind of reinventing uh, the television comedy. Uh, Not to be grandiose about it, but uh, it really does it. It feels and looks and, and... sounds like nothing else on television it's an interesting contrast to uh louis last television show uh on hbo which was essentially a return to the roots of the television sitcom it was an homage to um gritty urban 1970s filmed in front of an audience sitcom right, norman lear type stuff this uh, this has jettisoned almost completely the situation in favor of just focusing in really uh, really tightly on the stage character that uh, Louis C.K. has created for himself. 
Yeah, and one of the things that's kind of fascinating about it is because you aren't kind of tied in uh, by having to, you know, do lines for cast members week in, week out, again, it can just be something completely different every time. Uh, a couple of episodes back, the first short film was basically like this extended vaudeville routine uh, between Louis C.K. and Ricky Gervais, who played... <laughs> Who played, God, just thinking about the show uh, is making me laugh. Uh, who played his doctor and said a, a number of incredibly, incredibly uh, offensive things that were hilarious. And it kind of speaks to sort of Louis C.K.'s lack of vanity that he basically played the straight man. And it was entirely sort of a one-man Ricky Gervais show. And that's, you know, because they have the freedom to do anything, you can play around with a medium like that. You can be completely different every single episode. Josh Modell, let's talk about the new Christopher Nolan film, Inception. Um, it was just released this past week, and uh, you know it's been the recipient of a quadrillion-dollar marketing campaign, so I would expect that a, a lot of folks out there have at least a, a passing awareness of the new film from the director of The Dark Knight. Um, let's hear a clip from the film. Uh, in this clip, Leonardo DiCaprio is introducing Ellen Page's character to the idea of shared dreaming. You create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their subconscious. How could I ever acquire enough detail to make them think that it's reality? Well, dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. So, Josh, there has been... uh... You know, I think some people are attracted to the incredibly uh, complex uh, system of plotting and ideas in this Christopher Nolan film, and some people have been repelled by it. Um, Were you into the uh, sort of intricate pieces? Very much so. I mean, Nathan mentioned before about Louis feeling like he was sort of getting away with something by doing it. I feel like this is a Hollywood blockbuster that's getting away with kind of being an art movie at its heart. Um, it's really complex. It's really weird. And yet, in, in in its own strange way, it's actually quite easy to follow. Uh, but it's it's just so... There are so many layers. I, I can't wait to see how, how, the, how middle America or how the rest of America kind of reacts to this movie because it really does sort of require some concentration. But at the same time, I think there are parts of it where you can kind of just turn off your brain and watch people shoot guns, uh, <laughs> which is, it, it's a really, really odd mixture. And as I was watching it uh, in the theater, I, I was thinking to myself, wow, I, this, is, this is the weirdest movie that probably cost a kajillion dollars that we're going to see. I mean, it's, it's in its way as complex and strange as uh as christopher nolan's breakthrough film memento um and yet it you know clearly cost a kajillion trillion billion dollars more than that to make it was also spectacularly entertaining oh yeah kind of works as a sort of insane puzzle but it also works as just kind of a popcorn movie where Mm -hmm. you like watch all sorts of crazy stuff happening Leonardo DiCaprio is in about year 12 of his bid to be america's prestige movie star um how did you like his performance in the film uh, he's, I, I think he's fine. I mean, I, I don't, I think everybody actually in, in this film, uh, is equally good. And, and he is obviously the marquee name. Um, but it's not like he gets a ton more screen time. Maybe, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nathan, but I feel like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, is as important a character and, and is great. Um, so I, I certainly don't think, uh, Leonardo kind of overshadows anybody else. It's really, really in its way kind of an ensemble. Everybody, everybody that's in it is really 
key to it. It's not that it's not everyone helping Leo. It's kind of everyone uh, moving toward this very strange goal. It is nice to see him play a dark, tormented character for once. <laughs> so it's something he's never really done before. Um. Nathan Rabin, uh, let's talk about The Kids Are All Right. Um, it's a feature film coming out this month starring uh, Mark Ruffalo as uh, a sperm donor for a lesbian couple played by Julianne Moore and Annette Bening, um, who, is, uh, uh, who is looked up by the couple's uh, teenage daughter as a sort of act of rebellion. Um, in this clip from the movie, uh, Ruffalo just reunited with the family and they all just sat down for lunch. So, Paul, um, did you always know that uh, yes. that you wanted to be in the food services industry? Uh, I always liked food. <laughs> no, I was asking because I remember when I was reading your file back when we were looking for, uh, you know, um, sperm. <laughs> sure, anyway, um, you said that you were studying international relations. Oh yeah! Wow, that was a uh, that was a long time ago. Um, yeah, I was considering it, but then I dropped out of school. Oh, you dropped out of college? Yeah, it just wasn't my thing. No, huh? Why's that? No, no, it just seemed like a, a a massive waste of money after a while. You know, I was just sitting on my ass listening to people spout ideas that I could just as easily have learned in a book. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, you know, I think that that higher learning uniformly blows. Oh. You know, I think college is great for some people, Joni. I'm sure you're, you're gonna love it. But just, I'm a doer. That's all I learn. It's just me. I'm weird that way, I guess. So tell me what you liked about the kids are all right, Nathan. Well, it's the uh, third feature film uh, by Lisa Chodadenko, uh, who previously directed High Art in Laurel Canyon. And she kind of specializes in these sort of uh, very kind of beautifully observed uh, sort of comedy dramas about the existential crises of middle-aged women, uh, which was, I uh, used that line in an in- introduction uh, to my interview with uh, Lisa Chodadenko, and people said, wow, that is the least appetizing, uh, least tempting description of anything in the history of Western civilization. But it's really very, very funny uh, and very uh, poignant and very kind of true to life. Probably uh, my favorite movie that I've seen so far this year, and I I haven't yet seen The Kids Are All Right, was Please Give. Um, And I think it's very interesting that there are these two two sort of critically acclaimed movies emerging this year that are uh, are both uh, comedies uh, written by and directed by women, which is, you know, unusual enough in the uh, general world of Hollywood, but certainly in the world of comedy, it's particularly unusual. Oh, totally. And one of the things that's great about both of these films, and they do have a lot of similarities, is they're very naturalistic. You know, they're kind of slice of life. There's no plot necessarily that kind of drives things forward they're just sort of these wonderfully observed characters who you feel like had a life before the film began and will have a life after the film began and sort of a period in their life sort of captured uh, for posterity and yeah it's very exciting to see filmmakers like lisa chiladenko and uh, nicole hollis center uh, find an audience for these sort of strange uh, not purely commercial but uh, very winning films nice to see comedies that aren't well i have nothing against jokes uh, nice to see <laughs> comedies that aren't built around jokes oh uh, character-based comedies which is totally about i mean these are both 
fundamentally character studies and, and very uh, effective ones at that. So uh, six months or so ago, maybe it was nine months or a year ago here on The Sound of Young America, I interviewed Rob Corddry about a web series he was writing, directing, and starring in called Children's Hospital. Well, it was a huge success on the WB.com, at least by the WB.com standards. <laughs> and, Very uh, high standards. And it has now transitioned to television as uh, a regular series on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. It's a very dark and ridiculous, absurd parody of you know, Grey's Anatomy type programs. Um, in this scene from the show, Aaron Hayes' character is about to treat a couple of costume Star Trek fans who've come from a convention down the street, uh, one of whom is played by another past Sound of Young America guest, Adam Scott. Your pupil dilation suggests high bortiophene levels, Captain. Lieutenant, am I going to make it? I fear the Borg may have contaminated your bloodstream with nanoprobes, sir. Wow. Good day, Doctor. I am Lieutenant Degore Koru, medical officer on the Starship Navoa, while attending a Starfleet event nearby. Um, you mean the nerd con at the convention center next door? <laughs> okay. Listen, your friend is sick. You've never touched a in your life, and he needs a doctor, a real doctor, one who's been laid. Now, I would do it, but come on. Look at me. Look at you. Do you think she meant she would do it, like do us, or, or do the procedure? Procedure, yeah. Dory, find another doctor to treat the dork in room seven. Not going to happen. So, Josh, this is one of the silliest things you could ever see on television. Um, but given that you picked it, I presume that it works for you. I think it's great. And I would, I would actually really hesitate to even call it a parody of, of the sort of hospital shows. It's set in a hospital, but... There is no foot in reality. They're not making fun of anything. <laughs> they're just they're just making jokes. I mean, we were, the other things we sort of talked about, Kids Are All Right, are, are funny movies with no jokes. This is a funny series that's all jokes. And it, in a way, it sort of reminds me of the spirit of, of the early good Zucker Brothers movies where it's just joke, 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 uh, except the jokes are much, much darker and weirder. <laughs> Well, uh, Josh Modell, uh, Nathan Rabin, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the Sound of Young America. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. Josh Modell is the editor-in-chief of the AV Club. Nathan Rabin is its head writer. Nathan Rabin's memoir, by the way, The Big Rewind, just was released in paperback. You can check out our interview with Nathan from the hardcover release on our website at MaximumFun.org. Just search for Nathan Rabin. 